The reading today is from, uh, this is a departure from what's printed in the bulletin, by the way. It's uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36, uh, ending in chapter 8, verse 3. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and took his place at table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, What is it, teacher? A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, to whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward, he went on through the cities and the villages, preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzu, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. The word of the Lord. Stop. Go back a little further. There. Okay, now look at this scene. Just so this makes sense, so you can get the picture in your mind, Jesus is laying down, reclining. Reclining is a better word. He's laying on his side, propped on his left elbow. His right hand is then free to gesture and to eat with He's laying at the table. That's how they did it back in those days. Laid down to eat. Across the table is Simon, the Pharisee. And the room is dark. You know, that's probably not true that the room is dark. It probably is not even a room proper at all. It uh, very well might be a courtyard. So it's probably not dark. 
But in my mind, it's dark. It's more than dark. It is without context. The room is set in a sort of mental curiosity, if you will. The table and Simon and Jesus are in the light. Not really lit, but in the light. Not even bright light. I don't know how, who can judge the degrees of brightness. In my mind, I can't. I mean, so then all around them, it fades into this blackness. Blackness all around to the edges. See, it's not even darkness, it's blackness. It's not the subtractive color system, but the additive color system. It's only Jesus and Simon and the table. All around them, it moves to blackness. It is odd, I think, that this is how the scene is played out in my mind. It makes me wonder, maybe that, I don't know, it's just how minds work or something. Like, you think of the thing that is described to you and nothing else? Maybe I just hear about this so I don't need to imagine the rest of the room. I don't know, maybe the blackness that I see in my mind is really the fault of the writer. I should not say fault. I should say responsibility. Luke says, Jesus, Simon, and that is what appears in my mind. My mind does not look around the room and put pictures on the wall, does not put a plant in the corner next to an end table. Oh, table. You know that in my Curiscurian image, I do have a table, a table right in the middle. And Luke didn't tell me about a table. The table is implied. My mind needed a table. Luke says Jesus went to Simon's house to eat, so there must be a table. Truth be told, Jesus used to be sitting up in a chair when I thought of this story originally. Then I learned that back in those days, those olden days, in a situation such as this, people reclined at a table to eat. They didn't sit on chairs. So my mind got rid of the chairs and lowered the table, because otherwise it wouldn't work. It is funny, when Jesus was sitting in a chair, the room was brighter. Ah, here it is. You know what my mind usually does when it looks around a room and puts pictures on walls and plants in the corner of the end table? My mind usually does that because now I'm remembering this one time when Scott Bulow, when I was 23, Scapula was telling me a story, and he started by saying, I was in my apartment listening to records. And when Scott Bulo told me that, there was no chiaroscuro. The whole room was light. Scott didn't mention anything else. He just said he was in his apartment listening to records. And my mind made the room light. My mind gave him a technique turntable and records on a shelf and about uh, 30 records leaning in a stack against the shelf and an old cracked light cover over the overhead light and Scott on the floor with his back against a beat-up couch, everything. My mind gave Scott a complete apartment. It even saw into the small kitchen with the dirty dishes in the sink. And all this is before I'd even been to Scott Bulow's apartment, because I was just getting to know him. And when he was on the floor, there he was, on the floor. He was not sitting on a couch or in a chair listening to records. He was on the floor, 
reclining, you could say. So it's not the reclining that brings on the chiaroscuro, like you may be thinking. It's about, I don't know, what I know and what I don't know. It's about what I've seen and what I have not seen. Even though I've never been to Scott Butler's apartment at this you know, time, I'd been to many apartments like it. My own at the time was quite similar to the one my mind gave Scott's. My mind even gave Scott some of the same records I have. I think those might have been mine, actually. And that was why the room was light, because I knew it. I knew the room. And that's why the, the light, it was light in the room when Jesus was sitting in a chair, too. I knew about that. I know about people sitting in chairs at other people's houses to eat dinner. But as I soon learned that they were reclining, when I learned they were reclining, my mind not only took away the chairs and lowered the table, um, but they lowered the lights. My mind lowered the lights in the room that they're having dinner in. I mean, they were lowered from having dinner at my aunt's house, which is what it looked like when they were in chairs, all the way down to first century Palestine, which I have no experience with. So my mind had very little to use to furnish the room. The context was lost for me. But wait, and I apologize. The whole reason I went on this rant in the first place was to help you with your mind's eyes so you wouldn't put Jesus in a chair. And this is the line I want to clarify. It's a description of the woman in the story. Can you believe all this rambling and I have not even put the woman in the room yet? I've been describing a scene in this story that is not even in the story. I was describing the situation before the woman entered the room, which is crazy because Luke doesn't describe Jesus and Simon in the room alone before the woman gets there at all. Luke finds the woman in the streets and follows her into the room. Why is it important to my mind to see the room before she gets there? I don't know but it's always been that way. The darkness of this room is important to my mind in the story. Here's the line that took away the chairs. And behold, a woman who in the city was a sinner, when she learned that he was sitting at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. My mind always had a problem with that line. How can she stand, be standing behind him at his feet? If he's sitting in a chair at the table and the woman was doing all that stuff to his feet, she would have to be in front of him under the table. So, you see, when I found out about the reclining, it solved this problem for me. Jesus is lying down. He's lying down on his side so she could be standing kind of at his feet. Of course, the standing would be a little bit of a problem if she's wiping the tears of his feet with the hair. So she's obviously not standing, but I'll let that one go. Let me turn to Simon the Pharisee. Why do I go there? Why am I going? Why did I take the woman out of the room again? But this is where my mind goes. 
It's important to my mind to get the room right before she can come in. Simon is across the table from Jesus, but not right up to the table. He is far back from the table, on the other side, almost to the wall. But there's not a wall. It fades to blackness past him. He is sinister. He is stroking his black beard as he thinks. And he thinks sinister thoughts. He thinks, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Okay, she's in the room now. But only for the purposes of sinister Simon. She's on the edge of the darkness, though. Not at the light in the center. Man, my mind just does not want her in the room for some reason. As Simon looks across the room from his place at the edge of the darkness, she is just barely visible on the other side of the light at the edge of the darkness, performing her acts of love at Jesus' feet. Simon, Jesus says, his face half in shadow and half in light, his right hand and forearm moving in and out of the light as he gestures. I have something to say to you. Jesus tells him a little teaching story. A creditor had two debtors, one owed 500, the other 50. When they could not pay, he forgave them both. Now which will love him more? The one, I suppose, says sinister Simon from the edge of the darkness, to whom he forgave more. You have judged rightly, Jesus says. And then the key line. Do you see this woman? The circle of light expands to include the woman completely and to include Simon completely. Jesus goes on to laud the woman's acts of love, pointing out to Simon that he has done nothing but sit, stroking his beard suspiciously. Yet, Jesus tells Simon, she had a great many sins, but they are forgiven. And because she has seen the love, that gracious forgiveness proceeds from she is free to love as well. And Jesus speaks to the woman and acknowledges for the benefit of Simon what the woman already knows. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Then the circle of light shrinks again, and Simon thinks... Who is this man who even forgives sins? This! This is it. This is where the darkness comes from. It's Simon. Simon's misunderstanding of the whole situation has painted almost the whole room black, leaving barely enough light to breathe. Simon has seen his power meeting with his teacher who is growing in prominence, interrupting, interrupt this, and this, this meeting with this powerful man is interrupted by this woman, this woman this, who this teacher thought was righteous, righteous like him, who the teacher let touch him, soil him. Her sins have blackened Jesus, and this debauchery happened in Simon's own house. So his house has been defiled as well. And Simon sees this teaching story of Jesus's as no more than an excuse for this woman's behavior. He can barely believe that this woman, a woman that is not even related to him, and is that kind of woman, 
would have the nerve even to enter the house of a Pharisee, enter his house, and bring this black mark on them all. That she could so flout the laws of decent society and moral righteousness is proof to him of her depravity. And that Jesus would feign to forgive this woman's sins as a reward for this behavior is proof that he has been thoroughly infected as well. But Simon, Simon, poor simple Simon, I know, I see that the room is only dark when seen from his side of the table. The room is not dark for Jesus. The room is not dark for the woman. She brought the light in with her. Jesus, acting in love, tries to point out the beauty of the light and the love she has brought into Simon's house. Jesus says to Simon, do you see this woman? Can you see this woman? Can you see how much she loves? It is because she has been loved much and recognized that love. Embrace the gracious love that God has expressed to all in forgiveness. Having recognized that, God has forgiven her. Having recognized that love, she loves in return. She's been freed by love to love. How is it that she can flout social and religious conventions by entering a house that is not her father's or her husband's and anoint me with her tears because she is free. She is freed by love and therefore loves freely. These are not tears of repentance. She did not come here to beg forgiveness. These are tears of joys and acts of gratitude. She came here to love me, Jesus says, because she has seen the love I have for her. Simon, she came here to bear witness to that love for your sake, that you could see how much you are loved. She came in spite of its inappropriateness so that you could recognize the love and have the faith and feel your own forgiveness and be freed by love so you might love freely. But Simon, he cannot see the woman. He has no experience with women who are free or freely loving. He can see only what he already knows, and that is mostly blackness with a little light. Simon, I pray for Simon, that he could have faith in the knowledge that he is forgiven, and that he would embrace the love that is expressed in that forgiveness, so that he may live in the light of that love, so he might freely love. Look around the room, Simon. There's a couch a stereo, and plants, and flowers, and pictures, and a woman, and a Savior.